turn on. There we go. Finally. Rob, we're going to get this mic right at some point, I promise. Here we go. It is a joy to have you here this morning, whether you're in person or online. Thank you so much for being in worship today. It is our joy to welcome you here. And if you were watching the slides go by, and if you've been here long enough, you know that the constant thing we say to everybody is no matter who you are, you are welcome here. Now that certainly applies to all kinds of different people, and thanks to the power of technology, it doesn't even matter where you are, you can join with us today. But I wanted to illustrate that sometimes the welcome extends to different ways that we show up. Some of us show up, we're excited, we're fired up. Some of you have already started listening to Christmas music and your trees are already up. I happen to know there's at least one person in the sanctuary today who came with their Christmas socks on. Some of you are dialed in and ready to go. Are are you going to own to it, Brenna? Because I wasn't going to tell anybody. Okay. (laughs) Others of you, you're sitting here this morning going, oh my gosh, Thanksgiving is on Thursday. And, you're like, and then we've got to do that. And then the ball starts to roll down the hill towards Christmas. And rather than sort of feeling the joy that we're always told we're supposed to have, we're kind of feeling this burden of, oh my gosh, here it comes. Both of you and everyone in between is welcome here. However you show up to this place, there's no requirement to be happy or to be burdened or anything else. However we show up, we show up here to do the shared work of worshiping God. And to that end, we gather on this particular day, which is called Christ the King, or in other places, the Reign of Christ, and it is the final Sunday of the church year. It's sort of our New Year's Eve, if you will. And so we gather here, having told the story and saying, well, what is it that we need today? What is it that I come here To get, and Psalm 123 says, To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned. The psalmist cries out to the king, You who are enthroned in the heavens. As the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until he has mercy upon us. Have mercy on us, O Lord, have mercy on us. So whether we are full of joy, we come to receive God's mercy. Whether we are burdened down, we come to receive God's mercy. Whoever you are and however you show up in this place, you are welcome here. And so we invite you to quiet your hearts and ready your minds as together we prepare to worship.
Good morning. We gather in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Around the world this day, the Universal Church celebrates the reign of Christ. Christ Jesus, friend of the poor, the meek, and the merciful, is enthroned above all authority and power in this world and in the world that is to come. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. God has placed everything under Christ's wounded feet, appointed the one who wore the crown of thorns as the supreme head of the church. Enter and his gates with thanksgiving. Come into his courts with praise. Give thanks and praise his loving name. Glory, Glory be to, to the Father, Father and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, Spirit as, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Alleluia. Amen. Please join in the first hymn, number 718, um, page 718 in your hymnal, Come Ye Thankful People, Come. You may be seated, please. Join me in responsively in the prayer of the day. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Almighty and ever-living God, you anointed your beloved Son to be priest and king forever. 
Grant that all the people of the world, now divided by the power of sin, may be united by the glorious and gentle rule of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our first reading this morning is for the Old Testament reading from Daniel chapter 7, verses 9 through 10, 13 through 14, page 828 in your pew Bible. It's about Daniel's visions, the judgment before the ancient one. As I watched, thrones were set in place and an ancient one took his throne. His clothing was white as snow and the hair on his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames and the wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and flowed out from his presence. A thousand thousand served him, and then 10,000 times 10,000 stood attending him. As I watched in the night visions, I saw one like a human being coming with the clouds of heaven, and he came to the ancient one and was presented before him. To him was given dominion and glory and kingship that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is everlasting dominion that shall not pass away, and his kingdom is one that shall never be destroyed. Please join me in the responsive reading in your bulletin. We're reciting Psalm 93. The Lord is king, he is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He is girded with strength. He established the world, and it shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. More majestic than the thunders of mighty waters. More majestic than the waves of the sea. Majestic. Your decrees are very sure. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. Our New Testament reading is from Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, page 245 on your pew Bible. John to the seven churches that are in Asia. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom, priests serving the God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And on his account, all the tribes of the earth will walk. Well, so it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Our final reading for this morning 
comes to us from the gospel according to St. John, from the 18th chapter, verses 33 through 37. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If it was, if my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Excuse me. Pilate asked him, so you are a king. And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this I was born and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate asked him, what is truth? This is the gospel of the Lord. Thank you. Please be seated. <clears throat> so today, as you're listening, we get these two very different kinds of readings, right? And the first, and this, this Sunday always makes me a little nervous because the first couple of readings that we get are very mystical and odd and I mean there are wheels of fire and there are eternal kingdoms and all this kind of stuff and you're like that's going to a tough place but in those words yes we hear the theme of the day the Christ that God is establishing this kingdom that's never going away it's never ending these images of fire give us power and purity ideas all of these things are there and then we land on this last reading where the one that we've been saying, this guy's got something kingly about him. He's in chains before political power. It's an odd place for us to start today. Because if we walked in this morning, just looked at the title of the bulletin, or maybe we kind of know, all right, next Sunday's Advent, which means there's something going on this week, that our expectation for today would be the great climax, the story of our faith, Yes? That we've walked from last December, well, I guess November, all the way through, telling the story of Jesus' birth and telling all the complications that went into that and then looking at his teaching and, and his healing and the message that he brought and then we went through Lent and through Easter where he died and he rose again and on and on and on and on and on. And so we would expect that we've come to the end. We expect the Jesus equivalent of casting the ring of power into Mount Doom, right? Or finally defeating Darth Vader and taking his mask off and realizing that he has been redeemed and restored to relationship with his son. Or if you're more of a Harry Potter person, you know, finally destroying Voldemort's horcrux and finally the world is set right again. But again, instead we get Jesus bound and humiliated before Pontius Pilate. 
But here, so here at the end, friends, believers, this Sunday is not about being called to stand up and to applaud at the, at the final credits and to say, that was a great show. Rather, we are invited to make a decision ourselves. This Sunday is an altar call. No, there's not actually, I'm not actually going to invite you to the altar. Don't stress about that. But this Sunday is an altar call. Are we ready to, pro- to proclaim this guy as our king? We are finally left here. Is this the king? This is the king we have. Is this the king we want? So how do we get here? Well, the Ga- this Galilean prophet, Jesus, has been hauled before Pontius Pilate by the Sanhedrin, a ruling religious body. And Caiaphas, who was the high priest at the time, accused Jesus of being a king, which in that time is a seditious act punishable by crucifixion. Now, Jesus, it was time for Jesus to be tried before the Roman governor, and the trial was held in, the, in Pilate's praetorium. Forgive me, I like using Latin words like twice a year. But this trial is held in this beautiful place. My confirmands, we've been talking about story, and we were talking about setting and how setting matters. This is one of those times where setting really, really matters. Because imagine coming into Pilate's praetorium, into his quarters, this marble-adorned palace, the governor's stately attire, the presence of the imperial seal, the seal of Caesar, all communicating power, wealth, and opulence. This man, in this particular place, has made it, And he gets to call the shots. Which is to say, Jesus, as he comes before Pilate, isn't just on trial locally. Jesus is on trial before the Roman Empire. And in this way, Jesus is on trial before every empire. Before every thought process, every philosophy that says, this is how the world ought to be. This is what the world is about. And to go back to our Darth Vader analogy, this might actually be the Empire Strikes Back. Because remember, Jesus had refused the world and all its power way back after he was baptized and went into the wilderness. He refused all of that during his wilderness temptation. And now the spurned world is striking back. You want to be that kind of a king, Jesus? Well, let's see how this goes. Of course, Pilate, representing Rome, and less than interested in this story and nuance and subtlety, that's not Pilate's thing. He gets right to the point, and he asks Jesus the only question that ever mattered to Rome. Are you a king? Doesn't care about his methods, doesn't want to know how many followers he has, doesn't want to know anything about any good work that might have happened. All he wants to know is, are you coming in here proclaiming to have power? And all Jesus answered was, well, you, you said it came out of your mouth. But then Jesus added this. He said, for this purpose I came into the world, to bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Jesus tells this Roman governor that his purpose, the purpose of his life is to bear witness to the truth. What is he getting at? What does he mean by that? It's important for us as believers to know that. Because Jesus knows that the world as it is arranged and most gloriously represented in the splendor and majesty of the Roman Empire 
is built upon an enormous lie. Jesus says, I've come to witness to the truth, which means everything else has to be at least a falsehood, if not an outright lie. This is what Jesus is setting up. Jesus then says that those who can sense the lie, who know something is rotten at the core of the world, will be inclined to listen to another way of thinking about it, will be inclined to listen to what he has to say. Jesus says, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Jesus claims on this day not just to be a king, but to possess the ultimate truth that exposes the lie that lies at the core of the world. You can see how explosive a claim and how explosive of a story this is. Pilate's not used to being challenged like this. Because most people know what happens if you go in and challenge Pilate, right? Most people end up on a cross. Not ideal. Most people are terrified of that. Rome rules with terror, which is why they would publicly hang people. And so Pilate is not used to people coming in and saying, let's have an exchange of words here. And perhaps himself, for the briefest of moments, sensing the lie that his own rule is built on, perhaps expressing the tiniest little bit of doubt, this briefest moment where he goes, wait a second. His reply to Jesus is tragically legendary. Where our reading ends, he goes, what is truth? What is truth? The sense that something is amiss, though, passes very swiftly. And he sends Jesus out and Jesus is flogged, mocked. This has already been read today. Crowned with thorns. And then he's returned to Pilate for his interrogation. But Jesus now remains silent. And in the midst of this silence, because Rome is used to people having loud opinions and big things. Rome is used to dealing with big stuff. It's not used to the silence. And so in frustration, Pilate shouts out, you won't speak to me? Don't you know I have power to release you and power to crucify you? And there it is. There it is. Pilate and the Roman Empire and all empires are exposed. What is truth? To them, truth is literally the power to kill. That's Pilate's answer. For him, the truth is that the world is run by those who have power. And we can explain power in many, many different ways. Military power, economic power, religious power. And Pilate's view of the world, and it's been played out throughout the generations, is that the world is run like pe- by people like Pilate, by King Herod, the puppet king, and the high priest, Caiaphas. And most of all, the world is run by the emperor. Pilate's only way of looking at the world is that Caesar is the truth. Because in his worldview, it all comes down to power. Power trumps everything. What Jesus has hinted at throughout his ministry with words like, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy comes to exercise power while the blessed ones are the peacemakers is finally laid bare and set against Rome's understanding. In these words of Pilate, Rome and empire admits to its deepest held belief. It admits to its faith that might makes right and power is all there is. If it's not bad enough, if it's not naked enough, Pilate's not the only one 
who exposes this line of thinking. Caiaphas, a religious leader, does the same thing. Not part of our reading today, but perhaps known to you. Because Caiaphas later comes in, they send Jesus back to him, and they're like, what do you want me to do with this guy? And Caiaphas says, well, we have no king but Caesar. In this stunning betrayal of all that the law and the prophets stood for, that which Caiaphas is responsible for, Caiaphas takes off this religious mask and says, look, governor, we all play games, and my game is religion, but I know the truth. I know it's all about power. So I have no king but Caesar. I'll admit it to you now, and then I'm going to put my religious mask on and go back to pretending that God is king, but you and I both know that the only truth in the world is power. That's Caiaphas, and that is the lie. The great lie, whether it's politically or religiously, the great lie is that life is all about the acquisition of stuff, particularly the acquisition of power. The lie at the core of the world is that to live well, you must be closely aligned with power, especially the powers that can kill. For Pilate, Herod, Caiaphas, etc., the truth is that the good life is acquired and maintained by the will to power and the means of lethal violence. This is why the governor, the puppet king, and even the high priest all confess together, we have no king but Caesar. But friend, can't you feel the rottenness at the core of this? Can't you feel that it's, this is a lie? Can't you sense that for all of Rome's glory, Rome, does no, Rome no longer stands, not as an empire? Can't you sense that Babylon that came before it was the same way and Babylon hasn't existed? Babylon didn't make it. Every empire of the world has fallen. And we have, again, in our Hebrew reading for today, this little whisper that God's kingdom is eternal. Friends, the meaning of life, the message of Jesus is not power. The meaning of life is love because God is love. It's not proximity to power that is the goal of life. The goal of life is love. When we see faith leaders particularly fawning over proximity to political power, don't we feel the falseness of that faith? Which means don't we sense that there's a tension, that these things are opposed to one another? Don't we know that so often we, even faithful people, sometimes proclaim we have no king but Caesar? Don't we sense that this kind of power stands against the power of love? This is the king we have. I'll ask again, is this the king we want? Because, friends, the confession of the church is that Jesus is the world's true king. Right now. Not, it's coming. Not, well, we're just going to kind of wait around and hope that, you know, love finally wins the day. No, our confession that Jesus died, is resurrected, has ascended to the right hand of God, and sits there right now as king of the world. Jesus is king of kings right now. He was crowned as a king on the cross and God vindicated Christ as the true king by raising him from the dead. This is the story we've been telling. In the kingdom of the Prince of Peace, we study war no more. We turn swords into plowshares and we turn spears into pruning hooks. We turn tanks into tractors and missile silos into grain silos. Our task is not to turn the world into a battlefield. Our task is to turn the world into a garden. 
Our goal is not Armageddon. Our goal is New Jerusalem. And as the great hymn says, we're marching to Zion, the great, beautiful city of God. This is our confession. This is at the heart of what we believe. Now, friends, let me assure you, it is faith that believes this, not sight. But it is to this that we are asked on this day to confess. This is the altar call. What ultimately is at the core of it all? Is it power or is it love? And we are invited to witness to that, not as an imposition on others, but as an invitation to say, what you, the lie that you sense is a lie. What is truth? Truth is that everyone who cares about the truth listens to the voice of Christ. Now, of course, Pilate doesn't believe this. Pilate's whole life, his whole self-understanding is built upon a faith around power. And billionaire Herod doesn't believe it either. The faith leader Caiaphas will give some lip service to this because it's, quote, in the Bible. But the faith leader will kick the can down the road saying, all that peace stuff is for when the king comes. But for now, it's all about power. We got things to do. We got to accomplish things. For now, we have no king but Caesar. For now, proximity to power is more important than everything else. Jesus' proclamation that everyone who wants to know the truth will listen to his voice, that proclamation of Jesus changes nothing in the moment. It doesn't change Pilate, doesn't change Herod, doesn't change Caiaphas. They can't sense the lie because they benefit from it. How can this system of power be bad if it benefits them in such a wonderful way? But that doesn't make it any less of a lie. But maybe we, friends, maybe we still have eyes to see. Maybe we still have a heart that can call the lie for what it is with all the evidence to the contrary. Maybe we can still see that love is at the core of this story and not power. And if we can, if we can entertain that motion for a second, then friends, take heart because our hearts are tuned towards the truth. And if you're able to sense that, then my call, this altar call today is to continue following this God of love. Keep believing the truth that he offers, that we are called to build a kingdom on love and not on power. As we go from here, as we go out into the world, and certainly things are about to ramp up, we've already talked, we're coming into the holiday season, and there will be much to celebrate and many stressors, et cetera, et cetera. So we go, we can proclaim this all we want in here. We go back out to a world that is just the way we left it. And let us be sure, if we are willing to entertain the idea that love is really at the core of all things, that decision, that choice to follow in that way will change very little about the way of the world. Power and violence will still rule our news stations. Manipulation and control will still be present in our workplaces. Keyboard courage and antagonism will still rule our Facebook feeds. Doesn't make it any less of a lie. God is love. Do we believe it? And if we do believe it, then we've got to embody it. Love has got to be the first thing we do, not power. And if we do, if we believe that, and if we have eyes to see the destruction that is still all around us, then we are set up well to continue our journey of faith. 
Because going from here, proclaiming that love is the way of the world and not power, we'll set out, we'll discover that the world is not yet what it shall be. Jesus is king, but the world is not yet what it shall be. And next week, on that first Sunday of Advent, we'll begin again to seek this loving Savior. We'll look for this loving God who will rescue a world that mourns in lowly exile. A world that still might believe that love is greater than power. If we, can, if we answer this altar call with love, then we'll have the courage to start the journey again, praying, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Amen. we needed a little more good news, the good news is that if love is at the core, that deserves to be celebrated. Perhaps more than anything else in the world can celebrate that love wins. And we do that with a beautiful hymn, hymn number 21 in the New Century Hymnal, also printed in your bulletin on the screen, God reigns o'er all the earth. We invite you to stand as we continue to pray and sing.
Thank you. Please be seated. Let joyful bells be rung. This story of Jesus is not, oh goodness gracious, look, we have this broken and decrepit king and that's all we're left with. No, this is joyful. It is wonderful. Love is at the heart of the world and is at the heart of Jesus' message. The message of power always crumbles. The message of love is eternal. And so we do what we can to express a little bit of that love by being obedient to the words of Scripture and cognizant of our neighbors as we lift up our prayer request for this day. We have several names that have been added to our list, and we'd like to share them with you so that you might continue to be in prayer for them. Uh, we were asked to pray um, for a Sterling Watson, uh, the husband of a friend of mine, actually, who suffered a heart attack this past week and is, uh, and is recovering, um, but we certainly pray for that recovery. We were asked to pray for Eric Mira, who is going through cancer treatments at this time, and so we certainly pray for Eric. We were asked to pray for Louise Stamball, who suffered a stroke this week, and we lift up Louise and ask that her, um, her path to recovery would be swift. And then our heart breaks also um, for the family of Dick Hindorf and the family of Jim Bucci, both of whom passed away this week. And, uh, and we would be remiss if we didn't also say that uh, the flowers on the altar this morning are in honor of Ed and Barb Brown, and so we certainly remember them as we said goodbye to them yesterday in our service. And so friends, with these needs and concerns on our mind, let us act in love as we lift them up to our Lord. O Lord, our God, majestic is your name in all the earth. Lord, the entirety of our story from this virgin birth that angels came and proclaimed to kings coming by and offering you gifts, to you climbing up the mountain like Moses and teaching us how to be as a people, to your great power to heal, even to you overturning tables so that a more just and generous world might come. Lord, we see power flowing out from you everywhere. But Lord, we live in a world that is consumed with power, and so sometimes it is easy for us to mistake that power for the world's kind of power. But Lord, it's just love. Love flowing out all over the place and for everywhere, flowing into the unseen corners, flowing to the lowly and to the, the oppressed, flowing all the way to us, and to our situations, Lord, you love us and you call us to yourself. And it is love that is the eternal kingdom that you have come to bring. And so we pray for one another. But because we know this, this vision of a world made new is hard to envision as soon as we step outside these doors. Lord, the world screams back at us to the point where so often we just want to cover our ears and not hear anymore. Lord, it's so hard. But Lord, make us a steadfast community of faith that constantly whispers back to one another, God is love. God is love. You've got this because God is love. And Lord, if that's the kind of community that we become, maybe others need to hear that message as well. Maybe we'll get to share that message with somebody who it's overwhelmed by power and just needs to know that they are loved and cared for. And so it'd help us to be that kind of community. In everything we do and everything we say, may we be known 
by our love. And in doing so, proclaim this king who was crucified, yes, but was resurrected and now lives at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us in love. And so we join in those prayers, offering love as best we can in this space. Lord, we pray for our friend Sterling Watson, who suffered a heart attack. And Lord, we, we mourn that. We give you thanks that he has come through it, and we continue to pray for a swift recovery and a strengthened heart. We pray for Eric Mira, Lord, and we are so tired as a community of hearing about cancer. And yet, Lord, far be it from us to give up praying for each and every person who endures this terrible disease. And so we pray for Eric and for his treatments, that they indeed would kill the cancer. And Lord, he would be restored to health. We pray also for Louise Stanball, Lord, and we, Lord, we pray for her as she has endured a stroke. And in the same way, we pray for a swift recovery. And Lord, we also remember this day the family of Dick Hindorf. We pray for the family of Jim Bucci. We also continue to pray for the family of Ed and Barb Brown. And Lord, as they come to the end of their life, may they know finally and fully the kingdom of love that you have called them into and surround their families with that same love as they learn to mourn their loss. Lord, as you hear these words that we pray out loud together, we also pray that you would hear us in the silence of our hearts. Hear the prayer requests that we lift up to you now. All these things we pray, O oh God, because as we've already sung, God reigns over all the earth. And so we believe, Lord, that love has power to heal us, to change us in this world. Thank you for hearing our prayers. All this we ask in name of our crucified and risen Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And together, let us pray with love, the prayer that we have been taught to pray, the prayer that the church built upon love has prayed since the day that Jesus ascended into heaven, the Lord's Prayer, as we say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, it comes time to offering, and in the context of this particular Sunday, offering takes on a new meaning that we all kind of know, right? It's one of these things we don't say, but power is so often money. And so to give some of that up to something bigger than ourselves, to give it up so that others might be served is a remarkable expression of faith. And so every time that you all make that expression of faith to contribute to something bigger than yourself, to contribute to the life of faith that we share is a wonderful, beautiful thing that deserves to be celebrated. And so allow, allow me to say thank you for the ways that that happens. And we certainly pray over this offering and ask that it would go to further love in the world. And so we receive this offering and we ask God's blessings upon it.
Let us pray. God of grace, your limitless love gave us everything in Jesus, and through trust in him you offer us life in your kingdom. Accept our gifts, but as we give, warm and soften our hearts to lead us into lives which reflect your generosity. Change us, we pray. Amen. And so if there was one message to conclude the church year with, one thing that we want to go from here saying, aha, this is it, we finally arrived at the end, surely it must be that Christ in his death and resurrection has been crowned king. And I can think of no better hymn to go forth into the week with than crown him with many crowns. I love me an organist that bangs that out. Out of way, Mary <laughs> Now, my friends, as we ready to depart from here, maybe in all of this, there is a glimpse of the kingdom, a foretaste, a hint, a promise. 
So let it hold you and let it send you. So we'll never be fully content until all are fed, until all know what home is, until all are free, until justice is done, until peace is the way, until grace is the law, until love is the rule, until God's realm comes. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. very much. Please be seated for just a couple of announcements. And first announcement, just allow me to say thank you um, on behalf of Jenny and myself and our family for allowing us to be away last week, and thank you to all who oversaw that service. I know Bob and Alice had a lot to do with it. I know there were other participants, don't want to miss anybody, but just wanted to say thank you. Um, and that sort of deep breath before Christmas is essential to our souls, so thank you, and it's good to finally be, be back home couple of things, and we want to continue to announce that the Homewood Auxiliary uh, Dues Drive is going through, uh, is it next Sunday? Yes, next Sunday. Um, Jane is collecting those dues, so please see her. It's $3 a person, $5 a couple. Bam, yes, okay, good. So you can see Jane about all of that. A wonderful way to continue our ministry um, through Homewood for sure. Um, it's in your bulletin, but just as a reminder, um, this is really, really important. We're updating the directory, and if we don't have good info, it gets hard to be in touch with you. So if there are any updates to the directory, we have until uh, November the 30th. That is absolutely the drop-dead date. We've extended it out, but please make sure that, uh, that you get any changes for the directory in so that we can have a good record and can be in touch with you. Um, because Thursday is Thanksgiving, to remind you once again, um, and that'll change the office a little bit. And so the newsletter deadline is Tuesday, not usually Thursday, like it usually is on Thursday. It's Tuesday. Church office will be closed the day after Thanksgiving. Um, and so we need to get the newsletter out just a little bit earlier. So for those of you who have things to go in, and it's December, there's plenty to go in. Please make sure you have it in by Tuesday. Um, and one of the things that uh, needs to go, that could go in the newsletter, is that next Sunday, um, we kick off Advent in style with Hanging of the Greens. I, I'm like, my gosh, we're hanging the greens already. But yes, we are. And so, um, yes, there's a lot of excitement down here. So we will be here after church at 2.30. So go home, grab yourself some lunch. We'll be back here. I mean, we're looking to just have a good time. So yes, there'll be a lot of just putting the things up where they're supposed to be. Um, but we really do want to invite our kids to come out. We've got some activities. Um, there's some special things for the kids to decorate. I'm already getting looks from some of them going, yes. So we've got work for them to do. It's not just free for all. They get to participate with us. We've also got some crafts and some fun things. And then when it's all said and done, we've got pizza and s'mores. All right? And I can't make a better offer than that. I really can't. So we invite you to come out, hang out with us. It's going to be a ton of fun. Um, so 2.30 until about 4.30. Do I have that right, Jenny? Okay, thank you. Um, and then also, Josh, click the slide. I just want to, I didn't, forgot to write it down. The, uh, that one, yes. Save the date for Saturday, December the 18th from 5 to 7. We are going to be doing um, Christmas scenes and a live nativity. Um, there'll be a little bit more information. It'll be in your newsletter. You need to read it. There's also a Facebook event that you can check out, but please make sure you've got that on your calendar. And um, we're just really excited to put a little bit of the fun back into Christmas this year after everything that we've endured. And so please make sure that is in your calendar. We'll be sharing more information as that comes around. 
Did I get it all? And we're out a little early. My early Thanksgiving present to you. So friends, please allow me to be among the first to wish you and your family, however you celebrate and however you observe, a beautiful Thanksgiving celebration. And we look forward to seeing you next Sunday for the very first Sunday in Advent. Wherever, whoever you are, wherever you're going, and wherever God takes you, peace and good. Thank you.